All right. Hey. Hi. Oh, I know what's going on. I don't have my little thing in front of me. That's, <laughs> That's a personal problem. My- <laughs> it is a problem, John. <laughs> to be in front of you. I guess you grab it and put nice. it like this. Bring it I forward. just do the tuck. Yeah. <laughs> if I tucked it, I couldn't read it. What are you talking about? <laughs> talking about my script. Here we go. Hey. Oh, that's what I meant to. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of 1980s. Now, a weekly examination of the importance of 1980s pop culture and its influence today. Hey, my name's Will, and joining me as always are my very good friends. I've Look, I've uh, elevated, promoted, I promoted you guys. Ooh. Um, She's like one of my really good friends and another person, Cat and John. <laughs> oh, that's kind of like Marcus not saying who his favorite is, though. I guess hmm. who his favorite is. Anyway, hey guys. Oh, one of my very good friends and John will be here See, for I the show. Yeah, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. <laughs> Even the mystery. Open. He didn't say that. <laughs> oh, hi. By yes, the way, hello. By the way, and hey, hey, hello there. Hey, hello there. <laughs> also, check out John on his very own podcast, Gen X Grown Up. Thank you. Go. Hey, on today's show, because, you know, just last week, uh, last uh, Tuesday, was uh, the MTV Awards, the VMAs. I feel Mm. like they're calling them VMAs now to distance themselves from them being part of MTV, right? Because MTV doesn't have the, uh, what's the word, cachet or something Mm -hmm. that it used to. It's almost a self-parody. It's like, if you you say MTV and music in the same sentence, someone's going to follow up and going, I remember when they used to play music. (laughs) (laughs) That joke is dead. Can we please do that laugh again? (laughs) <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> I gotta hear more from this character at some point yeah. yes but yes. yeah they're calling them that's the- Mitchell you don't know me have we not met Mitchell no had to meet Mitchell. another oh, guy no. hang on there's three of you wait there's four up to four oh, voices now future see, Robert Kat, what do we got we got future yeah. Robert I mean I gotta find that paper yeah future Robert uh, it's on your side I have uh, some uh, guy yeah. last week who had a New York it's he just, was like that's Tony it's Tony, it's Tony. hey Tony <laughs> yeah do you know what the third one is Cat? I don't know who the original no. third one was Mm-mm. The original? That is future Robert. No, the original third <gasps> one is the Bebop guy from uh, Fred Flintstone. Oh, Scooby Doo. Oh. What is he saying? I just have Bebop guy written down. That's it. I think that's it. Yeah. All right. There you go. Now I added Mitchell. And to last week you said, like, you were trying to say first and you were like, foist or something. <laughs> yeah, that's Tony. <laughs> that's Tony. Tony. Hey, it's the first time I did that. Yeah, Tony was trying <laughs> to get someone's bronze shoes. Uh, when we did the Sugar yes. Hill Gang show crime. That's true right. Crime. He made an appearance He still got earlier. feet in him. <laughs> and I think Tony was uh, arranging to have that uh, guy arrested at the Phil Collins concert. Yes. He really was. Yes. <laughs> he was. Uh, oh, we had an old guy last week too. Oh, really? i write down the old what a, guy. What a cavalcade of characters <laughs> yes. that I, I provided for you accidentally. Forget writing a book, John. You got a whole other in. <laughs> Screw Rich Little. Yeah, we got go. impromptu podcast dork. <laughs> hey, so speaking of the, the MT, well, again, they're called the VMAs now. Speaking of those which just mm-hmm. happened last week, we're going to talk about several of the moments, highlights, controversial moments, uh, even oh. that occurred during the 1980s. And there's a couple that were outside of the 1980s, but that involve folks that we uh, grew and loved and came to be what they mm-hmm. are, are ultimately known yep. as during that decade. All right. Mm-hmm. Hey, before that, though, and we're going to talk about yes. some news, uh, current news stories related to 1980s media, including uh, there's a new Pet Cemetery movie coming out, and Stephen King himself has weighed in. 
And we know that guy does not mm. hold back on opinions. No, <laughs> he does not. <laughs> uh, the, uh, yep. the Gremlins animated series that came to HBO still has 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. And mm. I'll explain why that's interesting to me. Uh, and then okay. finally, it seems like Indiana Jones and, and the Dial of Destiny may be getting a second life uh, on uh, in our homes. Uh, that I feel like, uh, you know, may... Uh, um, and this is related to the gremlin story, actually, and may ultimately be, be retribution for our beloved uh, intrepid archaeologist. Yeah. Uh, hey, yeah. before that, though, a, a brief announcement. We're going to be changing up the uh, format, not the format, the schedule of the show, and maybe a little bit of the format mm -hmm. in a sense. No, no, the format's mm -hmm. intact of the actual show. Here's here's mm -hmm. the deal, just a straight deal. Uh, so at least through the end of the year, that's my commitment, is through the end of the year, we're going to do okay. the show every mm -hmm. other week. And here's why. It allows mm -hmm. us to make a... Even better show every other week. Then bring you there garbage you know. every other, every week. <laughs> We're going to concentrate that garbage into one week every other week. Mm. Way to set expectations, right. Will. Right? Right. <laughs> the right. pressure now. Okay, so that's, okay. yes. <laughs> the pressure. Actually, okay. you have pressure now not to give up, not to produce garbage. Exactly. All right. Kat, Kat I'm going to need a sidebar here. Huh. So you and I. Yes, so do you mm -hmm. think mm -hmm. it's that he can't handle us? Every single week, he just needs like to recover. We're just, we're so enthusiastic and exciting and <laughs> bullion that he's like, I need time to recharge, to keep up with these two. That's got to be it, don't you think? I think you're right. He needs a break <laughs> from yeah. our, from the Cat and John show, Ooh. the constant interrupting oh, and the- I would need a break from us, certainly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and all the voices and- I'm not going to say you're phone wrong, but that's certainly not what came, you know, that's not the impetus. <laughs> I would say that's a, that's a benefit, but it's a, oh. a feature, not a bug. I, I don't know. But the real no, reason yeah. is, so yeah, two things. One, yeah, to, to bring you better episodes, but even, I guess, uh, more, to be more honest with you is I've been working on a book that's set in the 1980s and I've been working on it for some time mm. and mm -hmm. I need to get that thing done. Because I want, you know, mm -hmm. I want folks to read it or not. Actually, honestly, not. I really mostly want it to be done. If yeah. anybody so reads it, that'd be You don't want bonus. anyone to read it. You want to finish it and <laughs> right. no one read it. No. That's right. Ideally, saying. no readers. <laughs> well, <laughs> if they're not going to read it, there's no need to proofreader, then that's great. It really, really helps out. It's set in the 1980s. <laughs> uh, hip hop is an element. A lot of other things are elements that are interesting. And an aspect of, or the protagonist of the story is an Indian mm -hmm. boy, a teen, who emigrates to the United States during the in the early 1980s, you know, when hip hop is just sort of uh, burgeoning. Um, mm -hmm. That said, because for these episodes, I've written a slightly, I've arranged a slightly different version of our theme song for those episodes. Oh. <gasps> this is just a draft oh. of it. This is just a draft. I'm so excited. But I'll play for okay. you guys this draft. So this isn't complete yet, but this is so far. So part of, uh, you know, I guess uh, staggering the show to every other week again is to allow me time to finish the book. But that mm -hmm. said, you may very well still hear from us as often as you do, because what I would like to do in addition <laughs> to our every other week show is because I'm going to be working on the book anyway, is sit down with folks like you, if you're willing, Kat and John, and some other mm -hmm. folks that I've reached out to that uh, have uh, some uh, knowledge related to different aspects of the book. 
And mm-hmm. in between our regular show, we'll publish these other, yeah, probably shorter episodes, but episodes that, again, we're talking about the 1980s every week, regardless. Yeah. All right, yeah. there you mm-hmm. go. Whatever. Enough about my own stuff. All right. Hey, Exciting. that's enough. That uh, was so cool. What do they call it? Very, very uh, cool. Masturbatory exercises. You know, <laughs> that idea that you're just spending too much attention on yourself. I was going to go with preemptory, but hey, yours is good too. Yeah. Uh, uh. All right. Hey, where do I put my notes? Here we go. All right. Hey, I let's get caught up on 1980s. <laughs> Hey, this week in 1980s news, as we mentioned, uh, and as reported by St- uh, by Cinema Blend, uh, Stephen King mm-hmm. offers praise for Pet Cemetery Bloodlines. Fans of uh, Stephen King, books, movies, anything? Yes, particularly short stories. Like okay. uh, all throughout high school and college, I would read Night Shift, mm. the, the, all the short stories in there. Uh, books on tape from Stephen King. I always enjoyed their, especially the short stories and the stuff that gets turned into films, which a lot of 80s films yes. were based on short mm-hmm. stories that he had. And uh, he's just, he has his finger on the pulse of super creepy by being overly descriptive. And I always liked that about him. Like it's the way he describes oh, things. Yes. Just, he just goes, keeps going. And like he done it like, and then furthermore, it was covered with slime. And we're like, Oh, it, it, he's super <laughs> creepy in a way that doesn't feel like he's trying so hard at it, but it works so yeah. well. And it's just terrifying. You remind that. me, Ooh. there's certain imagery that has stuck with me still from some of these. Mm-hmm. I think it's in uh four seasons or skeleton crew. The one, uh, the raft, I think it's called The Raft. It's with that, they made it, it's in Creepshow. There's like this yes. mysterious yes. sort of slick creature. It turns out to be a creature. It looks like an oil slick, but it's a creature that kills these kids on a raft, these teenagers. Mm-hmm. On the raft. And he yep. describes one of them being pulled through the raft, like the, it's like a, you know, one of those floating kind of wooden mm-hmm. uh, things in the middle oh, of a lake yeah. that you can rest on. And it, it's, it's, this thing is like slime. So it reaches through the wood and pulls somebody through it. And he described Ooh. it sounding like a garbage bag being pulled through a chain link fence, something like that. Mm. I was like, oh yeah. I knew Love exactly it. what he meant oh. and I've never forgotten more or less. <laughs> oh, you, you mentioned that there's a very vivid line that I always remember. And I've plagiarized many times and no one's noticed. It's okay. from a short story called Mrs. Todd's Shortcut. And he's just describing how someone disappeared. And he says, a disappearance isn't quite like a death. With a disappearance, it's like chopping something off with a cleaver. Mm. The blood's going down the drain so slowly that you're not quite sure it's gone till long after it is. Mm. Like, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, what a way to explain a disappearance, you know? It's just like gradually and then, oh, poof, it's gone. Now I'm wondering the context during which John uses this uh, quote, plagiarizes it over and over again. The only thing I could think is to his victims. (laughs) (laughs) No one's ever sued me for the plagiarism. So there you go. That, yeah. No one's Data ever pointed point. it out. Yeah. <laughs> they never, never <laughs> live to blame me for it. Are you a fan cap? <laughs> I, I, I'm both familiar and unfamiliar with Stephen King. Mm-hmm. Cause of mm-hmm. course I, I feel like I have been uh, hearing his name and, and just like, I know all the names of these movies. I did uh, read Christine. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've, I guess I've seen a few films, uh, you know, stories he's written, but as we know, I'm not like a huge fan yeah, of horror, sure. mm-hmm. so yep. it's at arm's length. It's it's right. like, oh, of course, Stephen King, Stephen King, Stephen King. But yeah. I can't, you know, I can't tell you all the details <laughs> because We've got I Maximum Overdrive, Stephen King truck movie, so mm-hmm. good stuff. Yes. That's right. And I yeah. did watch that okay. last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> look, the, he is, I can't think of anybody. Maybe Clive Barker, you know, maybe give him a run for his money. Mm-hmm. But Stephen oh, King okay. has got to be still the reigning. King, uh, I guess pun intended, of horror. <laughs> yeah. And as you as you alluded to, his 
stories, his short stories, his books have been adapted into countless films and TV shows at this uh, at this point, including 14 mm-hmm. films in, ni- in the 1980s alone. Just in the 1980s. Yeah. That might, in fact, that might be the most in one decade for him, I think. Was Cujo one of them? Um, he wrote Cujo, yep, right? Yeah, Cujo. Oh, okay. Yeah, I watched that. There you go. Okay, got that, that one, one down. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carrie? What's that? Yep. Did he write Carrie? Carrie, yeah. I saw that. 76 film. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, and a remake well. in the 2000s, too. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the forthcoming Pet Cemetery Bloodlines is unique. And that it's not based on an entire King story. Instead, it's, it's an adaptation of just a single chapter of the mm-hmm. Pet Cemetery novel. And the uh, unconventional, this unconventional approach has actually garnered the approval of King. And like we mentioned, he, he, is no, he does not hold back. If he thinks you made something that's garbage, <laughs> he will mm-hmm. tell you. But with regarding this upcoming film, he, he took to Twitter to say, in the book, this is the story Judd Crandall tells Lewis Creed to try and dissuade him from using the Pet Cemetery. The screenplay takes a few liberties, but it's a fine story. David Duchovny is excellent. The secret, as always, is caring about the characters. So this, there's this wow. ominous tale that one character tells another uh, in Pet mm-hmm. Cemetery, and they, these other writers and director have turned this into a, a full-fledged film that's uh, due to come out. It effectively makes this a prequel. Yes. In yeah. a way, because the story he's telling is something that happened prior to the Pet Cemetery story, but within mm-hmm. the context, because it was a, you know, a story he's telling, a flashback, if you will. So that's, that's cool. It's like a, yeah. an embedded prequel, kind of. Yeah, that's That neat. is really cool. Right. I probably won't watch it. The trailer was <laughs> enough. Yeah. Why do they follow that creepy dog? Why? Because you gotta know. There's only one way to know. get the answers, Cat. Gotta watch it. <laughs> no one tell it. Mm-hmm. You're, you're right, John. It is a prequel, you know, for uh, no matter how you look at it. In the very least, uh, the, the the film adaptation, uh, the first film adaptation took place in 1989 or roughly there about uh, the year in which it came out. And this mm-hmm. particular film is set in 1969 uh, and it stars Jackson White, who I don't know, as the young Jed Crandall. Now, Jed Crandall is the character Ooh. that in the 89 ad- adaptation is played by Fred Gwynn of Monsters right. in Car 54. <gasps> Mm-hmm. Gwynn. Oh, you didn't know he was in, in it? The 2000s. No. Oh, no. Did oh, okay. I think in the 2000s so cool. remake, didn't Stephen King play him? I believe that's right. Really? Oh. I think so. Oh. Yeah. I didn't oh, wow. I could be wrong, but that, that's what I remember. Yeah. But he's not, I mean, we've seen him in a lot of things now. He's not a good actor. <laughs> well, he doesn't need to be a very, very good actor. I yeah. don't know. I mean, <laughs> but Fred Gwynn you just have to, was. He was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. yeah. Fred Gwynn has the dubious distinction of having one of the most, I was a big fan of horror in the 1980s. I saw all those things. I think yeah. Pet Cemetery's 89's Pet Cemetery is not a good movie, but okay. the, the thing that sticks with anybody who's seen it is what the little kid who comes back to life does to Fred Gwynn's character. Uh Oh, I'll just have to say that much. I won't say what it was. It's mm-hmm. just terrible. Oh. oh, even just thinking about it. It's kind of like when guys talk about, you know, their, uh, Hmm. When I taught the story oh. about my vasectomy, John said everybody would wince. Thinking about that has me <laughs> feeling pains in my legs and my, oh. my Achilles tendon in oh. particular. I was wrong. It was John Lithgow. I had to go look it up because oh. you were doubting John me. John Lithgow. Okay. Okay. Oh, thank okay. goodness. I know Which, that is. Yeah, right. yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Maybe he had a cameo or something. Maybe something I think. Anyway, it was not Stephen King. So, Yeah. Well, this, uh, this story follows the Judd character and the woman that he will eventually marry, Norma, who's played by Natalie Allen Lynn, someone else I'd never heard of. Uh, they're ready to leave their hometown of Ludlow, Maine to take on an assignment for the Peace Corps. Their plan, however, is interrupted by Timmy Baderman, 
uh, played by Jack Mulhern, mm-hmm. a childhood friend of Judd's who didn't return from the Vietnam War alive, but is seen walking around thanks to his father, mm-hmm. played by David Duchovny, uh, mm-hmm. taking a trip to the notorious local a burial ground. Bad news. So you know the general, general premises when you bury something in pet cemetery, it comes back. That's the idea. Mm-hmm. I, I was gathering yeah. that from yeah. the article in the trailer. I didn't really know what what was going on yeah. in the pet cemetery. Uh, as Kat mentioned, you could watch the trailer now, which it, it premiered uh, on September 12th. And the movie itself will debut on Paramount Plus just uh, in time for Halloween on October 6th. Oh, really? It's the okay. season. I'm ready. Yeah. I feel mm-hmm. the season already. Yep. I love this mm-hmm. season. I like it once we get to uh, mid-October. It takes me a little while to be okay with it. Okay. <laughs> Oh, really? It's almost over by the time you get to mid-October. That's okay. You have to to start enjoying (laughs) Halloween mid-September. So you get a few weeks of it. (laughs) I I like Halloween, but I'm not a super fan. I know there's people Mm -hmm. who start in July. Yeah, I should have started in July. (laughs) I'm not sure if I'm going to go through with my new plan this year or not. Oh, oh, oh. I don't think so. I don't know. I can't. I'm working on a book. I just told you guys. I have time for anything else. All right, here we go. No new projects. Hey, another <laughs> Finish the ones you started. Sorry, honey, I can't do dishes till January. <laughs> All right. In other 1980s news, Gremlins, The Secret of the Mogwai, still has a perfect mm-hmm. score on Rotten Tomatoes. So you may recall, we talked about, we teased this when it was about to come out. We never followed up on it when it actually did come out. And I've never no. watched it. Have, I, have you guys ever checked it out? I forgot about it. Okay. <laughs> Not yet. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm going to though, because- for two reasons, yeah. because it's yeah. gremlins and, and yeah. because of this story, because I'm like, what? Yeah. Mm. Because mm. I know we're going to talk about the Rotten Tomato effect, but yeah. 100% is 100%. It doesn't get there for no reason. You know, yeah. it's, yeah. it's my assumption. Yeah. Uh, hold that thought. I, I will. And in the very <laughs> least, you recall that we talked holding. about this, uh, the, the, the gizmo was returning to our TV sets. Well, he was greeted with open arms. The uh, show uh, debuted on May 23rd on HBO Max. It was then called HBO Max. That was right around the time. I think mm-hmm. it yeah. just switched his name shortly thereafter to Max. Yeah. Max. <laughs> Which I've heard one story. They switched their name maybe to shake contracts they had with uh, <laughs> writers uh. and actors. <laughs> as part of, uh, oh, oh, it's the Prince effect. The same reason he changed his name to yeah. a symbol to get out from under contractual problems. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it works that way. But Yeah, very clever. Isn't it weird you change your name to who used to be your main competitor in the 80s? I, yeah, the, yeah, the whole thing is very strange. It's so strange. Because they used to fight Cinemax for yeah, who yeah. got stuff. And yes. then now, I guess I guess they killed Cinemax. Well, that's it. You kill your enemy and you, yeah. you claim their yeah, name. And you, put their, you, you wear their face as a trophy. Well done. Yeah. Wear their face. <laughs> Wear their skin like a suit. All done. Yes. Skull. Yes. And something about the blood nice. draining out so slowly you don't even realize, so it's gone. That's right. Cleavers. Long after, yes. <laughs> anyway, the, so in the show is an animated series. It's not live action. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a prequel to the movies. Um, but upon its launch, it had the unique distinction of debuting with a double perfect score on Rotten Tomatoes. It had a 100% approval rating from the critics. And a perfect score with the audience. Uh, wow. Yeah. Impressive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, here is one uh, reviewer's comment. Secrets of the Mogwai has a human touch and a sense of humor and adventure that spans generations. That is Rolling Stone's Chris Wagner. It doesn't rewrite any books. I don't know what that means. But it's better than an animated prequel series to a 39-year-old 30, live-action movie has any reason to be. <laughs> I think that was a compliment. That's kind of a backhanded compliment. Yeah, yeah right. Is, kind of, right? <laughs> That's right. Not as <laughs> shitty as I expected it to be for what it is. That's not what I heard. Mama's geeky reviewer, Tessa Smith, writes, funny, dark, and a little bit scary. This this series is something that families will be able to enjoy together. The incredible 
voice talent that is lent to the show alone makes it worth checking out. Now, that's true. It's got countless uh, numbers of uh, Mm. actors that you're familiar with, including Ming-Na Wen, B.D. Wong, James Hong, another big guy from the 80s, James Hong, and George Takei. It's a prequel, as I mentioned, because it's set in 1920s in Shanghai, and it follows primarily a 10-year-old version of Sam Wing, who is the elderly shopkeeper in the 1984 film that uh, sells uh, Gizmo to Billy's father, right? To be be a Christmas gift. Um, The show, this series, shows Sam befriend Gizmo, hoping to return the Mogwai to his family while keeping him safe from evil gremlins and other threats. Now, I haven't seen the movie, or, or the TV series, rather, but already Wait. I'm wondering why if he, the, the the series follows in 1920s, him befriending him, hoping to return him to where he belongs. Why does he sell him to a weird, a stranger 60 years later? Like what happened in the ensuing 60 years? <laughs> I know what happened. Probably Gizmo. Excellent question. Chewed up the book he was working on yeah. when he was nearly oh. finished. And he was mm. furious. Like, I'm going to just sell you to the next guy that walks gotcha. in the door. <laughs> you can relate, Will. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, yeah. what if a gremlin chewed up your book? I'd show him a bright light. That's what I do. <laughs> Bad I'm just idea. hoping no one reviews uh, Will's book the same way as that backhanded comment. That'll be John's book blurb. That'll be my review, right? Yeah. I'll write the foreword. Uh, John- You're going to be startled by how <laughs> competent this book is, despite what you expected it to be. Cat, Cat's review will be amazing punctuation. <laughs> Find something nice to say. That's mm-hmm. Cat. <laughs> Hey, as of the recording, uh, this recording that we're doing right now, the tomato mm-hmm. meter, or is it tomom, tomato, tomer, tom, tom, tomato, 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 the tomato meter, it's got to be the tomometer, tomato meter. It's like, how do you say it in British? It's like aluminum versus aluminum. I yeah. think it's right. tomato meter. Tomato, 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 yes. And the tomato meter or tomometer tomer is the aggregate of the cricket critic scores. Now that is still a hundred percent as of us talking today. The audience wow. score, however, with just with fewer than 50 ratings has slipped to 86%. Oh. Mm. I bring this all up now, uh, you know, months mm-hmm. after this show came out, because I remember when it came out that it had a hundred percent in both. And that struck me as curious mm-hmm. because you rarely ever see that. Mm-hmm. And it rarely stays, but months later, it's mm-hmm. still a hundred percent critics score. And quite honestly, mm-hmm. although I haven't watched it, I've watched the trailer and I peeked at it and it seems fine. Mm-hmm. It really strikes me as insane somewhat that enough that, you know, there's a consensus among these critics that love an animated series that's made for kids or families based on a, yeah. a, a show that came out 40 years ago, a movie that was out 40 years ago is really kind of startling <sighs> to me. And even uh-huh. curious. Uh-huh. Uh, now, look, I'm not suggesting these two are related. Okay. Uh-huh. But this is what, why I bring this up now, because a new report that just came out from New York Magazine suggests that Rotten Tomato scores can be easily manipulated. Uh-oh. And in this report, they allege that a specific public relations firm named Bunker 15 has paid low-level, mm-hmm. often self-published reviewers for positive write-ups as a way to game scores. Ooh. Uh, they gave an example. Uh, there's the expose involved the 2018 movie Ophelia, a reimagined take on Shakespeare's Hamlet told from the point of view of his girlfriend played by Daisy Ridley. The film reportedly mm-hmm. had a 48% rating, but after the PR company company's alleged paid reviews, that was bumped up to 62%, which was enough to take it from a green rotten tomato score to a red fresh one. Money. I guess I have feelings about rotten tomatoes. First of oh. all, I think in general, yep. it can be very damaging to cinema in general, just cinema with a capital C, like just when you mm-hmm. think of the art form of cinema, mm-hmm. because 
what kind of happens now is people check the score mm-hmm. and based on the score, they determine whether or not they're going to go see it. Or even if it doesn't do that, it gives them a an expectation of whether or not they're going to like it. Like, I'm going to see mm-hmm. it. Let's see. Oh, it's a 30. I'll go see it, but it's going to be bad. Like they already know. Sure. Mm-hmm. So they don't go yeah. with an open mind. Yeah. On the flip side, I think also people look at the tomato meter as they don't understand that it doesn't mean that every critic gave it 100%. It, mm-hmm. It's binary. If a review is generally favorable, well, that's fresh. If it's generally negative, well, that's a minus. And they average all those out with the pluses and minuses. It's like a chance of rain. A 90% chance of rain does not mean it's going to rain 90% of the day. It means, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. in this area, <laughs> there's a high likelihood that it will rain. And I think the tomato meter, yeah. if people processed it like that and went, oh, well, it's got an 80%. Doesn't mean I'm going to like it. It means a preponderance of people generally gave it favorable reviews. Maybe there's just 51% mm-hmm. reviews, but those can count as a positive tick, you know? Sure. Yeah, That's yeah. the flaw, I think. I never check reviews. I never look at Ron's oh, Really? Videos. Ever? I ever. I just go. If I want to see something, I just go. I think I don't mm-hmm. like, I don't really like hearing mm-hmm. whether people like something mm-hmm. or not. I just, I don't want to know. I just, if I'm interested in a topic or mm-hmm. excited about something, I don't. I don't want to get unexcited about it. I just want to right. go enjoy it for whatever it is. What about yeah. after cat? Like after you've seen a film, do you ever go mm-hmm. and look at the reviews to see if your impressions match the general consensus or whether or not you deviated from that or you don't care? Nope. I don't care. <laughs> don't care. I, I like what I like and hate what I hate. That's it. I, I, that's yeah. yeah, that's yeah. bold. I like it. I hear it. I see it, you know, just mm-hmm, being mm-hmm, kind mm-hmm. of, you know, immersed in, uh, in you don't the news, seek it but no, yeah, no, I don't look at it or, or go for mm-hmm. it. Yeah. The only time I find myself looking is when I'm on the fence about something, mostly just with uh, streaming. So Mm -hmm. if my wife and I sit sit down and we're trying to figure out what movie to rent or buy, you know, on one of the streaming Mm -hmm. things that you have to pay for, you know, well, you have to pay for all of them, but the one that you have to pay transactionally per thing, we'll, we'll look a lot of, some of them, I think it's Apple. Maybe when you buy it, they have the Rotten Tomato score, like pulled in. So it's like really convenient, but Mm -hmm. if not, we'll we'll, see right there. We'll look on the site. That's, and look, I know it's flawed. But it gives me at least yeah. a quick, you know, yes or no when I'm trying to decide what, you know, which film among, you know, five films or two films to watch. Mm-hmm. For their part, mm-hmm. Bunker PR denied the manipulation, uh, telling New York Magazine in a statement, we have thousands of writers in our distribution list. Now, this is what I don't get about the denial. But they continue mm-hmm. to say a small handful have set up a specific system where filmmakers can sponsor or pay to have them review a film. Isn't that what they're accused of? Right. Oh, there's a difference between being paid to review it and mm-hmm. being paid mm-hmm. to review it favorably. Yeah, how do you know you're getting an objective? You know, if you're getting yeah. paid, how it's, can it's you It's really possible guarantee? that you don't. It's possible that yeah. you don't, right? Yeah. Well, if you could review yeah. 10 films, you're like, well, I want to make sure you review mine. Maybe they can incentivize you to review theirs instead of someone else's to make mm-hmm. it timely. But there is, you have to be careful. That's a razor's edge where, well, well do you want to give them a favorable view to encourage them to pay you the next time? You exactly. know, they're going to keep paying for right. crap reviews. So that's where the, the problem right. lies. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If I want them to ask me again, I'm not going to mm-hmm. yeah. put them down. Right. Rotten Tomatoes also oh, okay. said in a statement that they, they take, quote, the integrity of their score seriously and do not tolerate any attempts to manipulate them. Now, to to your mm-hmm. points or to sort of pull all of this conversation together, there's, mm-hmm. it turns out a study found only about 36% of moviegoers actually check the score before buying tickets at the box office. So mm-hmm. they don't necessarily, they don't play a, you know, even more than 50% of a role in, in folks' decision. But mm-hmm. that said- 
there are times where we've seen uh, it seems at least to play 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 some role in the perception of a film uh, is the score. And I'll give you a couple of examples. Uh, New York Magazine points out that scores for Blonde, I don't know that film, Blonde. I'm trying to remember what mm-hmm. that is. Uh, but Blonde and remember. The Whale. I know of The Whale. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Festival crowds overseas love them, boosting their tomato meter scores for weeks in the 80s. But when American critics and audiences were finally able to screen the film, The Whale, for example, landed at 64 and Blonde at 42. Mm-hmm. Conversely, and this is the one that's, I think, of most interest to us, is Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny initially had a low rating of 33%. I remember this. After the, mm. quote, snootiest, end quote, con film festival for six weeks yeah. before it, it was screened <laughs> stateside. So I remember that. Mm-hmm. At the time, I was like, well, why did they let them see that if they're going to get trashed? Yeah. Except yeah, for, yeah. that's not the venue for, you know, this mm. kind of swashbuckling popcorn film. Yeah. I didn't really movie. understand yeah. that. Yeah, it seems yeah. like like such an incongruous thing yeah. for it to be shown there. But after after that period of time, the score of the film actually rose into the 70s. But this piece suggests that by then the damage was done, uh, possibly effect, uh, be playing a role in the disappointing box office numbers. Yeah. Speaking of that, uh, as reported by IndieWire and Screen Rant, Indiana Jones 5 tops the VOD charts. Mm-hmm. So this film, which, you know, I think we all enjoyed, it wasn't the first mm-hmm. three, but it was better than the last <laughs> two or the last, <laughs> better than the fourth one. Uh, better than the uh, one that you yeah. love to hate. <laughs> the, uh, uh, this particular film achieved one of the, one, one impressive VOD streaming milestone, irrespective of, in spite of its box office, as we just mentioned, which wasn't, yeah. uh, as you know, the, the film was directed by James Mangold. It was the fifth and final installment in the series. Uh, Harrison Ford was back to reprise his role as the adventuring uh, archaeologist. You know about the film. Uh, you don't need mm-hmm. to tell us about mm-hmm. that. According <laughs> to IndieWire, of the four titles that were added to a video on demand the week of August 28th, Indiana Jones took first place on all three VOD charts, iTunes, Google Play, and Voodoo. Woo-hoo. Doesn't this feel like a confluence of two things to me? It yep. feels like, mm-hmm. yes, the tomato meter effect where, like you said, the, the damage was done. People saw it was 30% and went, Meh. But the other thing is this post-pandemic world where mm-hmm. you know it's coming to VOD pretty damn quickly. Yeah. And so there are a lot of reasons to not go to the movies now. One could be, I'll go and go, oh, bad rating. I'll wait and see it on streaming. Or mm-hmm. you could go, oh, it's not a big enough movie that I need to see it at the theater. I'll wait and see it on streaming. Or yeah. you say, oh, it's crappy, therefore I'll wait and mock it on streaming. Like there's so many <laughs> way reasons to not go see it because getting up and getting in the car and getting a ticket and dealing with people that turn their phone on midway through the thing and blind you, mm-hmm. all those are things, they're barriers to going to the theater. Yeah. And that affects the box office. I'm not surprised it's doing good in streaming because yep. it's a fine movie. Mm-hmm. I'll go so far as say it's a good movie. It um, is. But, but there's no... It didn't deserve the low box office that it got, but there were so many other factors swirling around it. Expectations from the studios haven't been readjusted since the pandemic, blah, 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 streaming. Yeah, all the things that you said. It doesn't surprise me. I was thinking the same thing of, of you know, enough people were probably like, oh, it can't possibly be anything, anything near as good as the originals, blah, blah, blah. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to wait. I'm yeah. just going to wait. And I think ultimately the rotten, look, we said just said the, problems with Rotten Tomatoes, so you, you take it with a grain of salt, but the fact that yeah. that even rose, the, the ratings, the approval rating rose there, you know, vindicates somewhat our feelings about it initially as compared yeah. to the original reviews from this festival. Uh, now, Good point, yeah. 
I'm talking about the box office, by one, according to one report, the film lost $100 million at the box office. But yeah, like John was pointing out, there's lots of factors that attributed to that, uh, including the fact that we had the, you know, Barbie and Oppenheimer uh, right. films yeah. come out just, I don't know, within two weeks, maybe after it. Was that it? I can't remember. And, and <laughs> yeah, you know, counter to what you're talking about, John, wow. with I'll Just Wait For It. Barbie is a film I would have imagined I'll Just Wait For, but mm-hmm. there was something about the momentum of it and the conversation mm-hmm. happening where I was like, oh, it's, it seemed exciting to go and see it. Um, yeah. So well, he, FOMO kicked in, right? That's what happened. Right. People were like, oh, sure. well, everybody's going to see it. Yeah. I got to go see it or I'm going to be out of the, I can't wait for streaming because then I won't get all the right. memes. You well, got to well, go. Yeah. Well, I, want, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I want it to be part of the conversation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 And and like to, to your point, I suppose you need some kind of momentum and maybe it's that, or like Kat says about mm-hmm. indie, you want to see it on a large format. That has to yeah. get you out of your living room. Otherwise, it's so convenient to stay home. We have a really small TV, too. I really didn't Is that want right? to see. You know, Kat, I've, <laughs> I've got to tell you this, though, Kat. You, uh, <laughs> the closer you sit to a, whatever device you have, the bigger television yeah. it becomes. <laughs> so literally, if you hold your phone in front of your face relative, you know, you've got 120-inch projection screen Listen, there. my TV's there. My couch is yeah. all the way over there. Look at this. We'd have to move that. the whole couch. So, right. So what I hear is move the couch. That's, what I hear. Yeah, that's apparently we're supposed to move you gotta the couch. You got to scooch. You got to coordinate with your family. Ready? Scooch. 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 It's like Coffee rowing. table's got to go. I don't know if Sorry, you've ever done rowing up. before, but someone would have to bark out, you know, scooch, scooch, scooch. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'm going to do that tomorrow morning yeah, <laughs> when I'm right. in the boat. Yeah. Kat does row. She is, yes, she does do that. That's my teaser. Well, despite its obstacles, this uh, recent VOD data suggests that the film could gain some traction through streaming. And it's yet to uh, be available on Disney Plus, which will open it up to an even greater audience that's, you know, even holding out from paying the 20 bucks to, to own it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, there you go. So that film that we all enjoyed and that some people shat upon uh, is, uh, you know, on its way to uh, redemption. Yay! All right, cool. Hey, all right, that's uh, 1980s yeah. news. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> okay, hey, as we mentioned, we're going to be talking about some of the uh, more interesting moments from the, what were called the M- what, MTV Video Music Awards, I think, when we were kids. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk yep. about some of the more Our interesting video awards. Yeah. moments from mm-hmm. those original years uh, of the uh, award ceremony. Because just last week on September 12th, MTV aired the VMAs live from New Jersey's Prudential Center. New uh, Jersey. New Jersey. Not too far from uh, <laughs> Kat and I, uh, are from yeah. our various hometowns in New Jersey there. Yeah. And well, so a lot of, you know, a number of different interesting things happened to people that are probably mostly younger than us. Like the reunion of NSYNC uh, <laughs> happened. <laughs> was a thing. Wow. Oh, okay. Taylor okay. Swift won a tie is you know, tied somebody. I don't know who, maybe Michael Jackson, I'm guessing for the most mm. VMAs in a single uh, night. Wow. Oh. Okay. Um, but mm-hmm. what was most interesting to me was that uh, the VMAs took part in continuing the world's year long tribute to hip hop. Okay. Um, uh-huh. We had a, it's like a 10 minute medley uh, mm-hmm. where, where Nicki Minaj, yeah. who was also the, the night's uh, host joined mm-hmm. Lil Wayne I mean, technically, he was part of it. Lil. Uh, DMC, Dougie Fresh, Grandmaster Flash, and the Fury F- Furious Five, who we just talked about a couple of weeks ago, and LL mm-hmm. Cool J for a performance that celebrated hip-hop's 50th anniversary and closed out the award show just before uh, Taylor Swift won the video of the year, adding to her staff uh-huh. of awards there. Uh, early on in the performance, the first up is Grandmaster Fa- Flash and the Furious F- Five, who <laughs> deliver the message. 
Yeah. <laughs> Again, which we talked about uh, just a couple of weeks ago, check out our true crime about yep. Sugar Hill uh, mm-hmm. and the rapper's delight. And as we, mm-hmm. just as an aside, I mentioned to you guys, they didn't want to do that song. Uh, Grandmaster actually wasn't really part of it. Melly Mel's the only guy who was. It was written by okay. mostly by a different guy, Duke Booty, who was a member of the house band of Sugar Hill. Uh-huh. I don't think Duke Booty was on the stage. Instead, they all like wrapped all the parts together. But that's fine. I that's just like fun. the name Duke Booty. Oh yeah, that's Duke great. Booty. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Duke Booty, did you see Nicki Minaj? I mean, uh, oh, she looks like one of those rap guys' girlfriends. <laughs> anyway, I, I thought that performance was fantastic. It was so exciting to see those guys. I uh, think the most now. The, the, now they did a similar thing at the Grammys earlier this year. That was even mm-hmm. better. It was even better. Uh, Run okay. was also there, for example. Only DMC was there oh. uh, at the VMAs last week. Okay. Well, I mean, oh, the MTV Music Awards are about the videos and not necessarily honoring the music award generally. Right. So I, I get that. But anyway, um, yeah, Dougie Fresh and Slick Rick performed together. Mm. DMC, LL Cool J filled in for Run, rhyming uh, with the oh, DMC. Okay. That was pretty cool. That's great. Yeah. Uh, he, did yep, his, yep. he did some of his own songs too. A uh, little medley there. And then they closed out the show mm-hmm. singing uh, Walk This Way with DMC. Everybody joined them on stage nice. at that point. Uh, anyway, so since the, the 1984 debut, that's when the first Video Music Awards uh, appeared, premiered. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've, mm-hmm. they've, you know, they've been unpredictable. They've been the, you know, not your grandfather's uh, award show type <laughs> thing, right? I mean, a lot right. of, they've had a lot of headline grabbing moments uh, beginning with that very, very first show. Mm-hmm. So we're mm-hmm. going to talk about uh, some of the ones that uh, caught our attention or that are particular interest to us because of the folks that are involved. And I guess, as I mentioned, there's a couple that happened in the nineties. I'll let you know when they are, but you'll know why I brought them up because they're feature folks that we've loved since the 1980s. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. All right. For, no particular order. First up, Weird Al out woos the audience. And I should mention, I got most of Ooh. these, if not all of these. Let me see. Where did I write it down? Ooh. I think these are from Rolling Stone. <laughs> I don't know. I got them from somewhere. <laughs> if I just say I'm not trying to take credit for putting this list together, I'm cribbit. Is that enough? Hey, that's yes. That's, that's the kind of I, attribution you want from a book author. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely didn't crib anything from my book. It's not like a. It's a fictional book. Um, anyway, so uh, or is it sharing the podium with an anxious-looking, a different world actress, Jasmine Guy? Uh, Weird Al didn't let the fluffed-up audience praise Kareen past while presenting the best video of a song from motion picture at the 1989 ceremony. Every time there was a crescendo of woos from the audience, Al turned around and spat one right back at them. Oh it seemed guys, to make his co-presenter seem increasingly more uh, uncomfortable oh, as, as he did so. I can't I've never seen this. <laughs> This award goes to the best bit. <laughs> this award goes to the best video of a song from when a motion. The, the winners, you uh, two and BB King, weren't there to claim their win. Al's final flourish was to pretend to snatch the Moon Man from a guy's arms. Oh my gosh! <laughs> you know, w- Weird Al is not unlike Stephen King in that way. He hmm. also will call it the way he sees it, hmm. and in that clip. I know it's it's a podcast, so you couldn't see it. But if you could see it, 
He's slightly irritated. Like he's upset so? that people are okay. disturbing the flow okay. and he's just lashing out in a funny way. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I was going to point out that uh, we know he's a funny guy and he's a clever guy, obviously through his parody songs, but he's good yep. on his feet, you know, which folks yes. may not appreciate. He doesn't yep. have to sit in a room and craft something. He's just, he's present yep. in, in those moments. Yeah. Yes. Yep. He's spontaneous. All right. <laughs> uh, here's another one. Sam Kinison stands up against rehab. Uh, mm-hmm. oh. 1988 uh, screaming comedian oh. Sam Kinison was given the task of honoring Guns N' Roses at the ceremony where the mm-hmm. hard rock bad boys picked the best new artist. Uh, he did stand up before introducing them, uh, which was cleaned up for TV. But in spite of that, he declared <laughs> himself like proud <laughs> of having avoided rehab, declaring it, uh, quote, a little unfeasible for most people, end quote. And after pointing huh. out that the Betty Ford Clinic, for example, costs $13,000 for a 21-day stay, he says, if you have that kind of money, you don't have a problem yet. Oh. <laughs> That's, yep. Yep. Ooh. I remember that. Okay. He's like, yep. if you, All right. here's a little test, kids. He says, if you have $13,000 <laughs> to spend on rehab, you do not have a problem yet. Right. <laughs> Because otherwise you'd have spent it already on the problem, right? Yeah. Exactly. Is Not that, is all that, of it yeah, has gone to drugs yet. Or, or, <laughs> yeah. Or is he suggesting being broke is a bigger problem than being an addict? Uh, mm, mm, don't take it seriously, hand. kids. Get help if you need it. All right. <laughs> but then he goes on to say uh, something about Huey Lewis. Is Huey Lewis here tonight? Good, because I hate his music too, man. <laughs> this guy, I swear, this guy is connected to the government. I think it's the first experiment in propaganda rock. What? Guy always has a song in the top 10. Nobody likes his music. It's hip to be squared. Dun, dun. Yeah, that really upset Uncle Sam. Yeah. That's kind of song your parents listen to go, you know, that's a good song. It's hip to be squared. Where's this at? Must be the same town where it's hip to be called Huey, huh? Yeah. Yeah, it's Huey, though. Where it's at, I like Huey Lewis. I, I mean, I love Huey Lewis's music. Yeah. I but I also loved Sam Kinison. Ditto, ditto. Okay. Yep. Yep. I don't know that I loved him. I guess yeah. I laughed at him. But <laughs> he was just like, yeah. like, like John pointed huh. out about Weird Al. You know, just he was. He seemed very honest in his comedy, even to be yeah. joking yeah. about rehab and saying that you know he was, he mm-hmm. it wasn't for him. I mean, he's telling the truth. <laughs> uh, but you know, he did a lot of what was considered an edgy comedy about religion because he was he was you know raised in I think in an evangelical household. I believe his father was a preacher. And he, he was destined to be. A you're preacher. right. Yes, wow. yeah. brother yeah. was a preacher. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh you, you pick up on that playing the same three Sam Kinison cassettes in your <laughs> 1981 Pontiac <laughs> Firebird on repeat when you're not listening to the Beastie Boys. You'll mm-hmm. learn a lot about uh, Sam Kinison. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, we know about another cassette in the uh, holder there. You know. There was just, oh, a, yeah. just one other cassette. Pro- probably, least. Have You Seen Me Lately? I probably wore that out once, mm. too. Yeah, that was a great oh, Sam Kennison okay. album. But yeah, it, I don't even think he was being mean to Huey Lewis in this clip, either. I yeah. think he was using that okay. for the comedy mm-hmm. and sure. juxtaposing yeah, okay. how he's so squeaky clean and he's doing songs like rock songs about being nerdy that how could that possibly... <laughs> I, I right, get exactly. it. It's amusing, yeah. but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Th- that was Sam. Yeah. yeah. I miss uh, him. Other folks weren't safe oh, from his comedy. Uh, he, he pointed out that... Uh, Michael Jackson, who who only appeared on a video screen there. He made jokes when he first came out about, I thought he was really here. I thought he was going to do a number, but he obviously was clearly on a, a monitor. Mm-hmm. And then uh, referred to Michael Hutchins, who he spotted in the audience as the true Michael, because he showed up. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, most interesting to me about that clip from 1989 is he, during his, uh, his, uh, his stand, his, his amounts to stand up there, 
is he says he's 34. Wow. No. Really? Surprising thing about it. He always seemed older to me. And I can't, yeah. look what he had accomplished yeah. by then. Mm -hmm. And I've only accomplished this, whatever this is. Yeah. You know, <laughs> when I see those successful people. Yeah. And wow. Along those lines, I mean, I, I try to, I, I've wrestled this before. Is it because he's imprinted on us when we were younger than him? So we saw him when he was 34 at an age when we were yeah. teenagers. Mm -hmm. So yeah, he will yeah. always be older to us, even though, yes. you know, at this moment we are much older than he was then. <laughs> that he seems to have a, a knowledge and a life experience, a perspective at 34 that I could, I didn't have, I think um, at 44. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that speaks to a generational thing, or like I said, maybe it's just a perception because uh, he's frozen huh. to me as a, you know, a senior to me. But even just looking and listening right yeah. now, I, there's mm -hmm. no way I would have pegged him in his thirties. I would have said yeah. at least in his forties, at least yeah. just from. I think, yeah. I think life experience ah, plays yeah. a lot into, I mean, you, you can't overestimate. He had a hard upbringing. He had, mm. he lived a life by the time he reached the thirties. And mm -hmm. some people don't, some people live mm -hmm. in the same little town, do the same little things. And that's their life. Whereas he lived a life and he had an experience. Plus he had the talent to communicate that to us in a way that we loved. So he was bigger than life. It's hard to measure yourself against people like that because it's just, they're, un, they're anomalously amazing somehow. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. Mm -hmm. Hey, next up is 1985's VMAs where Eddie Murphy has a meeting in the ladies room. Now, Eddie huh? Murphy had a couple of standout mm. moments during the, the, the VMAs. He, oh, first of all, he, <laughs> he hosts the show, but he delivers the, okay. the, the, uh, or rather he opens the show, but he, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> why are my mistakes funny to you? Because Give me a second. I, I love you. I What's do, funny to I, me. I, I like I like Will's reboots. It's like I'm talking, I'm talking. Hmm. That's your shutdown reboot. Yeah. I love right. it when you go. Hmm. It's you just go. I yep. just it's so it's so you it's so. Um, yeah, it's like one, I'm, two, you know what? I'm looking at a piece of paper. I'm not thinking like one, I'm not pondering life's uh, big mysteries. I'm trying to <laughs> trying to figure out what I wrote I or copied know. as I mentioned earlier. Uh, Eddie Murphy had a couple of standout moments during 1985's v VMAs. He, he, he hosted the show. Mm -hmm. And so he opened uh, with a monologue that uh, said, uh, explained about how he wound up hosting it, saying that, quote, they came to me about six months ago and said, Eddie hosts the MTV Awards and I'm an actor. So my first reaction was, fuck MTV. Oh, <laughs> okay. Uh, oh, but boy. he continues, then I did a music album that hasn't come out, come out yet. And so now I'm here kissing MTV's ass, just like most of you. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Uh, he, he continued uh, telling a number of different uh, jokes about some of the rock stars there, including about uh, rock stars getting venereal diseases. Oh. Uh, suggesting that anyone who wasn't laughing probably had one. <laughs> Whoops. But I'm laughing. Curious, I'm laughing. <laughs> yeah. In, in one of the live moments that didn't seem to be planned or rehearsed, uh, after Glenn Fry won the Best Concept Video Award for his uh, Miami Vice uh, echoing clip uh, for Smuggler's Blues, oh. Murphy decided to insert himself into the proceedings, taking Fry and presenter Morris Day on a trip to the press room downstairs. Huh. Uh, the detours included brief encounters with uh, Corey Hart, Mm -hmm. uh, and mm -hmm. with the final stop being a trip into the Radio City Ladies Lounge, oh which generally surprised one woman fresh from powdering her nose. <laughs> uh, Murphy made the best of the situation, cozying up to a bathroom attendant as the uh, broadcast cut quickly to a commercial. <laughs> <laughs> is powdering your nose a euphemism for something else going on there? I think it's for using the bathroom, isn't it? Like going to the bathroom? Oh. It's not the old... I think... Well, it was the VMAs. You could have been... 
powdering your nose. Oh, oh, nineteen eighties. Yeah, yeah, that's right. possible. Absolutely, it's a good point. Been that. I I do think it's it's a yeah a euphemism for going to use the bathroom for okay. for some right. women. Hopefully, it's that. Yep. I, I think yeah. for some women, it actually is <laughs> going to redo their makeup or something, but yeah. <laughs> or that, what you said. Or now. that. <laughs> uh, let me see. I'm going to skip some of these. They're not very good at all. Oh, here we go. So here's one of the ones outside of the 80s. 1996, Van Halen's reunion hits the skids. Oh. I remember this because oh. this was super cringy. Uh-oh. Now, again, I bring this up because Van Halen was... Huge in the 1980s. Of course, the group began earlier than that in the 1970s, but yeah. huge in the 1980s. That is when I became a certified fan mm-hmm. uh, was mm-hmm. in 1984. And David Lee Roth was still a yeah. member of the front man for the, the band. Yes. Um, so as you know, since then he went solo. I think it was 85. He was, I think crazy from the heat was 85 maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but a pivotal chapter in this saga that is Van Halen played out right in front of the VMA viewing audience when David Lee Roth appeared with the band for the first time in over a decade huh. to promote a couple of not very classic new songs they recorded for a greatest hit package. Uh, the frayed relationship between Dave and Eddie Van Halen was still mm-hmm. evidence was still in mm-hmm. evidence on stage, and it would be another ten years before the two could finally put their differences aside to tour together. Wow! What I remember of this is oh, do I have this clip ready? I remember yeah. it being very, I mean, it's not going to be good for a podcast audience, but. I'm in the audience. Right. <laughs> what about us? Now, even to come out at the, at the beginning of this, the, the three continuing members of Van Halen are lumped together. Yes. And David Lee Roth almost seems to be following them in mm-hmm. yes. uninvited. Yes. And at some point, I swear, it seems like Eddie is surprised to see him there. Like he wasn't told. David Lee Roth kind of sucks the air out of the room. You know, he's 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 one of those bigger than life people. Present best meal video of the year award. Okay, right, Dave's line. Oh, Dave. No, no, no. Instead of the best award thing, it's we we have to make an announcement. Just we have to address a subject here. This is the first time that we've actually stood on stage together in over a decade. He growing more uncomfortable. Oh mm-hmm. boy. Like he took off his mic, it looks like, right? I think there was his sunglasses. Oh, is that what uh-huh. it was? Oh, oh, they're hugging. Okay. Oh, kind of strained. Yeah, mm. It's not a full on hug there. <laughs> no, no. It was a half hug. That was I'm on camera hug. I'll do it for Al. We're here to present the award for best male video. Michael? Right. Have you noticed how things have changed a lot since the last time? I think Dave's already driving them crazy. No, really. It used to be, I want my MTV. And now it's like, give me your MTV or I'll blow your head off. Look, look. (laughs) And he took a big step away from him. Oh, my gosh. They're they're dragging him away. Right. Because he keeps interrupting. Yeah. And he's like, just get out. Get out. Yeah. I want to get back to the thing. Him away from the mic. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I should have looked, uh, but uh, I do remember this being a gimmick. Like nothing came of it. For you know, mm-hmm. uh, as it was just pointed out, it was ten more years before they sort of they put their differences aside and toured together. Which I think that tour ended right before. I don't think they finished the tour. Well, they didn't. Even <laughs> I think it fell apart it? midway. Oh my yeah. gosh. Okay, here. Okay, back to the 1980s though. 1986. Here they come. You remember this? Hmm. The monkeys. John, don't give me that look. The monkeys, <laughs> the monkeys make their MTV audience believers. 
having uh, become unexpected staples of the network as a result of MTV's Pleasant Valley Sunday, during which the viewers were treated to a marathon of the complete series run of the monkeys. I love yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mickey Dolan's Davy Jones and Peter Talk took, took the stage and strutted their stuff to a new generation by performing I'm a Believer, one of their very biggest hits. Awesome. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite songs. Now, I remember yeah. being a fan of the Monkees during the 1980s. In fact, they did a tour and my parents took me to see them. Oh, mm. yes. Um, in concert. I can't remember what it was called. Something about like the gray haired tour or something <laughs> like that. Mm. Silver haired tour. I don't know. <laughs> but I'm trying to recall if it was MTV that made me a fan of the monkeys, I feel like I had seen them before MTV, like mm-hmm. way before. And then you everybody did. else was catching up. Okay. It, it was, it, what do you call it? was, you know, what in syndication, you know, the show was in okay. syndication. And yes, yep. I know I saw it when I was much younger than okay. a teenager watching so it on MTV. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My exposure to the monkeys is, I think like most people probably when they first were exposed to them in what the sixties and seventies, whenever the monkeys were in their heyday. Right. right. But mm-hmm. was that, People didn't realize, first they thought, is it really a band or was it assembled? Mm-hmm. And the reality is right. it's both. Mm-hmm. It was an assembled right. band, right? They auditioned these guys and got them together. But because the way I experienced the monkeys, I never thought they were anything but just a show ah. because they aired in the afternoons. It was uh-huh. the Great Space Coaster, Sigma yeah. of the Sea Monsters, <laughs> mm-hmm. the Monkeys, Land uh-huh. of the Lost. Like they're all together uh-huh. because they were, it was a funny show you could watch in the afternoon that was oh, great. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. there was a little story. It was it was a sitcom and it was funny and there was music in it. And yeah. I just thought it was another show of guys that <laughs> to find out later they were real was like, what? Yeah. Right. It, that they performed that and they were albums. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. And they were playing themselves. They were they were like a fictionalized yeah. version, like an, an exaggerated right. version of themselves, but it's really them. I was like, that's, I hadn't seen anything like it before. I don't know if I've seen anything like it since. Mm-hmm. I know they were very unique. Yeah. Yeah. It did <laughs> seem the humor even seemed yeah. kind of ahead of its time. Like I, yeah. we didn't watch it when it originally aired, like you pointed out. So I don't know how, you know, contemporary it felt in mm-hmm. the sixties, let's say. Right. But in the eighties, it felt, I don't know. It felt at home in the eighties and certainly on MTV ultimately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But even still, I think, I think I watched it with my kids when they were younger a few mm-hmm. years ago and mm-hmm. they thought they loved it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. So and cool. I still thought it was hilarious and clever. Yep. <laughs> it was almost a little Python-esque. Like it was absurd yeah. and they would turn and wink at the camera intentionally yes. and break the fourth wall Absolutely. all the time. Yeah. yeah. I used to record I don't know why I used to record all the episodes every time it was on. There I was yeah. <laughs> with VHS and I went to see them three times. I saw them wow. in concert three times mm-hmm. that, you know, that one year that they were on tour. Yeah. I just was so into them. Yeah. I, I got to meet albums. Davy Jones one year when <gasps> I was at oh. Disney's Pleasure Island and he was at Jungle Jim's bar and I got to meet Davy Jones very briefly. So Where's the horns? Mm-hmm. We did. Well, I don't know him personally. I mean, up here. (laughs) (laughs) If you must, but he's not a close personal friend. (laughs) I would have loved to have met Davy Jones. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But Mickey Mickey was my favorite, Mickey Dolan. Was he? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, he was funnier. Uh, I I didn't meet Peter Tork, Mm. but Mm -hmm. my uh, uncle- Mm -hmm. uh, was was a member of, was an original member of the band, the Duprees. You know, which was a doo-wop group uh, from the, in the 1960s that yeah. actually originated in Jersey City. Wow. Um, you know, You Belong to Me, that's the Dupree's. Um, so he was- Yeah, I've heard of them, indu- but I couldn't have told you what song. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Huh. Yeah, they were being inducted into the uh, Vocal Hall of Fame 
in uh, the the ceremony was in uh, Youngstown, Ohio, which isn't too far from me. So I, because my family was going to support my uncle, mm-hmm. we went, and a number of other folks were being inducted, including Peter Tork, Wow, uh, Pointer Sisters, and because my uncle, you know, we were there with my uncle, we got these, you know, all access passes. So I was just wandering around. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Peter Tork was an asshole. <gasps> I mean, he oh. was just oh, mean. No. <laughs> he was just mean and obnoxious, and nobody liked him. Oh no. Anyway, which is which is really terrible. What a now, Mike Nesmith was my favorite monkey. Uh, why is that? I don't know. I think it's kind of his. He was, was a little cutest. sort of more. <laughs> he, that was Davy, right? He was more yeah. aloof. He was kind of this mix of. He was dry. You he know? Was Did you say Davy was cuter than Mike? Is that what you just said? Davy is known as the cutest one. Yes, by far. Davy's yeah, the British one. Yeah. I don't Wait. know. It's a matter of taste. Go ahead. Okay. I got, oh, anyway. this is so interesting. I need to hear more about this conflict here. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm done. Oh <laughs> my gosh. <laughs> anyway, it's but, unfortunate. Yeah. Mike is rye and dry and uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I guess I connected more with that. See, yeah. I always like Peter Tork That's- because he was tall and skinny and he was like a human goofy to me. Ah. Yeah. There was a little like Bob Denver energy, right? Okay. Like, yes. uh, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, a little like subtly manic and a little goofy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Yeah. definitely, definitely goofy. Yeah, it's sad Mm -hmm. that they're what all but Mickey Dolenz is gone now. Yeah. Um, Okay. Hey, here's another moment to cheer you up. Uh, 1989. Andrew Dice Clay is banned for life. (laughs) Whoa. Hickory Dickory Dock. Yeah. Well, I've got a clip for you here. Let's see. see. I don't know the rest. I just said that part. (laughs) Is, Is that right? Oh, we want to hear the rest, John. (laughs) Look at that jacket. Good evening, ladies, and good evening, gents. I'd like to welcome you to this event. My name is Dice. I'm here to say I was born in Brooklyn. Now, this is, he should have just been banned from this, Shitty rapping. I'm going to do it different, going to do it Dice style. Well, Miss Muffet sat on a tuffet, eating her curds and whey. One came a spidey, sat down beside, he said, hey. What's in that bowl, bitch? Oh! Now, I don't know. What was MTV thinking? What did they expect? Little Boy Blue. <laughs> yeah. There's another album I used to listen to a lot. Yeah. Even I know the rest of that one. Uh, I don't. I, I just said that part. That's all I know. Oh, really? I don't know what you're laughing at. Nursery rhyme. Yeah. And in addition to the uh, nursery rhyme that we heard just, just, just now... Uh, he also went to do uh, Rockabye Baby on the treetop. Your mother's a whore. I ain't your pop. Oh. <laughs> and he said two of George Carlin's seven dirty words you can never say on television. Oh. Uh, mm. As a result, the Dice Man was banned from MTV after that night, and his career hasn't exactly thrived. This is according to Rolling Stone, who are cryptos from. Uh. Uh, enough to give them any reason to reconsider. <laughs> well, I mean, come on. It's 40 years later. I, I don't know what the relevance well, of Well, aside from that. Now. With all respect, Andrew Dice Clay, that's fucking bullshit. They knew what they were getting into. They brought yeah. Andrew Dice Clay onto the show. Did you think mm-hmm. he was going to become an entirely different person? Yeah. That, the the obscene, the over-the-top shock, the, uh-huh. the the potty humor, that was his brand. Yeah. And they have another example, I don't know, just, you know. Somebody who's famous, you're going to bring Carrot Top on, and he's not going to bring props? He's gonna, right? I mean, <laughs> what do they expect? I don't know. I mean, he wasn't going to turn into can... Huey Lewis. Right. No, <laughs> no. Clean. 
No. Yeah. Yeah. They got what they deserved and he did not. He was, he was treated unfairly, I think. Or they got exactly what they wanted. Right. Mm. I mean, they didn't need him to come back. He, he got them the attention. He got them the audience. He got them the press for, you know. For banning him. But then you punish him for delivering what they wanted. That just seems. Yeah. But they tossed him aside more like, you know I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, There's a note here that says, however, he did reappear in a memorable sketch for the 1992 VMAs. So I don't know how he's banned for life. Oh, yeah. If he's banned Uh, from being live. In which he made fun of the whole fiasco. Yeah, that's probably. Okay. Maybe he was part of it. Maybe it was all a thing, a scheme. Yeah. (laughs) Hmm. Uh, yeah. Let's see. I got two more for you quickly here. Uh, another one from the 1990s that's you'll see is connected to the 1980s very easily. Pee Wee Herman, hmm. the beleaguered self-pleasurer, mm-hmm. is in on the joke. <laughs> 1991. <laughs> wow. The the beleaguered self pleasure. Yeah, I didn't, yeah. That's, I didn't write that's, this one. That's so. I can see that on a business card. <laughs> <laughs> and then after that, Pee Wee Herman is the right. character. <laughs> oh, I see. That's that's Pee Wee Herman beleaguered. Oh yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Pee Wee Pee Wee Herman, of course, was Paul Rubens, who we just yes. the late. Oh, should we even do the story? We just lost the man. He's a brilliant, brilliant uh, comic. I remained a fan of his. Yeah. Throughout his troubles. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, he but he had a particularly rough summer in 1991. He'd already taken a break from playing his most famous character, Pee Wee Herman, for over a year, worried that his uh, cult comedy creation had taken over his career. And he's mm-hmm. like Cassandra Peterson in that yeah. folks didn't know there was a real person right. <laughs> in the little yeah. suit. You yeah. know, yeah. Right? just. Uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> oh, hang on, hang on, let me that get the paper. Good. That was great. Got to write that down. And then after he was arrested for masturbating in a Florida adult movie theater that July, the fallout began. Mm-hmm. CBS pulled reruns of Pee Wee's Playhouse. Toys R Us took his toys off the shelves and his mugshot became a pop, pop culture meme. Mm. Now, let's just stop for a second. Mm-hmm. Even, even in the guy, as the guy died, I saw articles and people commenting, this guy was disgusting. He did this thing, blah, 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 blah. Right. On our Facebook post where we did a little tribute to him, people were posting, some folks posted that. I, I deleted those things. Oh, good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, because, you know, it wasn't the context for it. And, and he fun. hurt no one, mm-hmm. including himself. Right. If anything, he helped himself mm-hmm. and he also didn't hurt anybody. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah. was it appropriate? No. But the context of it, there's a bunch of guys jacking off in that theater, I guarantee. Yeah. Probably right now. Right. He got caught. <laughs> I'm guessing it's part of that culture. I've never been to one. And thank goodness we have, you know, inter- the internet now. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I'm sure they still exist. And people are still doing little Can you imagine there? having yes. to get dressed and put on your shoes and drive downtown? Why are you getting dressed? <laughs> That's a big screen motivation right there. <laughs> oh. Right. Yeah, I couldn't wait for streaming. Oh Gotta gosh, do it now. Cat. I can't. I'm so, I'm so glad you said couch, cat, because you were just going scooch, scooch, scooch. And I didn't know what you were imitating there. Yeah, get closer to the little TV. Um, you, you make me think, though, cat. Yeah, I can't imagine. I love Uh-oh. watching movies on a big screen. I don't know that I'd want to see porn on a big screen. That sounds a little too much. Well, that would be fine. It's just that there's other people there. That'd be the problem for me. Well, <laughs> What are Big you screen's doing great. IMAX, sure. I if I could buy out the whole theater, I don't know that I want to see certain things that long. I'm going to do it once in that seat. I'm going to do it once in that seat. Oh, come down on. front, do it once in that seat. What? You're going to come movie. what? Watch the movie oh. in that seat. There's yeah. no guests coming on this show, right? No guests. What? <laughs> is this, 
This is all edited out. None of this is going to get the oh, show. That's right. Don't worry. I stopped after the news. I'm not even recording. Anyway, but after a couple of months of, of being on the receiving end of this of endless wisecracks, Rubens took the stage at the VMAs with five words that proved he still had a sense of humor. Heard any good jokes lately? <laughs> he, was a, he was a clever guy. Super yep. clever. Wow. Smart. And, and so many videos came out of him, of him like, uh, from him cameoing or, you know, leaving messages for people, oh. uh, you know, well-wishing other people. And oh, it just seemed like such a wonderful, big-hearted mm-hmm, mm-hmm. guy. And he didn't want anybody to know he was sick because he had given so much happiness and joy to people. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to take that away. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so very selfless in the end. Mm-hmm. I'm going mm-hmm. out like that. I'm telling everybody. I'm calling strangers. <laughs> everybody I'm knows I'm sick. That's right. Good. <laughs> I'm put, everyone has to pay. And finally, no list uh, of the VMAs, uh, outstanding uh, what incidents, performances uh, in, from the 1980s would be complete without Madonna mm. performing Like a Virgin in her uh, wedding dress in 1984. Mm-hmm. Now, what you probably forgotten because Madonna, you know, upstaged everybody that year was that Herbie Hancock won the most MTV Video Music Awards that year. Ah, Did he? Uh, yeah. It was, yeah. But Madonna left, uh, she's the one who made history. Posed as a life-sized bride figurine on a 17-foot cake. Uh-huh. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, she surprised the Radio City Music Hall crowd with Like a Virgin, a title song, an eventual Hot 100 number one hit. Mm-hmm. From an album still two months away from release. Wow. The 26-year-old pop artist playfully spun, rolled, and added a few choice thrusts while draped in the same <laughs> mix of lace and punk bling, including a boy toy belt buckle. Ah, yes. That would grace her album yep, cover. That's right. Uh, the performance came from a kind of vision that French designer Maripol, her stylist at the time, had. Mm-hmm. Uh, the idea emerged after the initial plan to sing the song to a full-grown Bengal tiger was scrapped. <laughs> Oh. Wow, wow. You know, we were, we were robbed. We were robbed. <laughs> I want to wow. see what would have happened if she sang to a full-grown tiger. I wish you hadn't done that. Not taken. Mm-mm-mm. Really want to see it. <laughs> Somewhere no, a story, in a parallel universe, they got to see it and we didn't. <laughs> yeah. Now, what we did get to see, apparently, because I didn't watch the video recently, I watched it within the last couple of years, mm. uh, you know, was uh, various, uh, what, Jessica Rabbit type of moments. Mm. Mm-hmm. No, I'm mm-hmm. not going to say that. <laughs> uh, what we did get to see was, you know, we were treated to, uh, I don't know, I think we could see her her underwear or something like that at some point a shot of her behind Couldn't her we underwear. always see her underwear always like it was she's always. wearing on the outside <laughs> yeah. sometimes yeah, yes that was always there <laughs> i mean whatever but it's just so funny to see how prudish you know and not us our parents mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. older folks were back then mm-hmm. oh i wanted uh, to see her neat. underwear i wasn't upset yeah, exactly <laughs> speaking of going to a movie theater um i don't know why i was speaking of that. where's this going say something i was going to oh. say something and then i decided to get less honest <laughs> Oh, um, um. <laughs> go back. Get more honest. Oh I will say this. <laughs> Speaking of movie theaters and Madonna, I mean, that album, when you know where she's in the dress and the boy toy and she's like, mm-hmm. oh, that's, <laughs> it's inspirational. I'll say that. It's inspirational. Certainly. Image. Certainly. Um, <laughs> but yeah, 
But no, that's why it was scandalous. Because she's rolling around on the floor, you know, and you're seeing various states of her mm-hmm. body and whatever mm-hmm. in this wedding dress. You mm-hmm. don't really see anything. No, and, yeah. But it turns out her explanation she, she was- She was scooching the couch, let me tell you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but she, you know, so she winds up writhing and wriggling on the stage, you know, mm-hmm. again, exposing herself. Not really. Uh, Ish. And folks, you know, MTV folks were mad. You know, but she didn't realize she was, folks were seeing her, I don't know, again, undergarments uh-huh. until she came off stage. And I think it was her manager or someone said like, you're done. You're done. <laughs> this is it. Your career's over. Yeah, right. <laughs> they saw your underwear. Mm-hmm. No one's ever seen underwear before. Oh yeah. That's, that's the kiss of death on MTV. <laughs> right. Now, of course, years later, she explained what actually happened was it wasn't planned as she was coming down this fake uh, you know, pastry. Mm. Apparently her heel got stuck in it mm. and caused her to stumble. Mm. And so she, she just turned it into a thing. Wow. She did not plan on laying on stage. She fell. Oh my gosh. That's you a pro right there. Take sure a problem and turn it into the performance. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Never let him see you sweat. Never let him know what the plan was. If it goes off the dra- tracks, always yeah. act mm-hmm. like you're on task because Shit. people don't know what the plan was. People, yeah. yeah. Awesome. I got to write this down, John. I got to use this every week we do the show or every yeah. other week we do the show. <laughs> right. We don't don't see the listener doesn't the know the plan. So when you go off script, you're like, Oh, this is not what yeah. I planned. Now they know they didn't know until oh, you told them. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Of course what <laughs> happened though <laughs> scribble, 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 is scribble. she wasn't, her career was not over. Instead, this is something that launched her career. Yeah. You know, her album that came out just a couple of months later was, you know, one of the most celebrated, certainly, of the decade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she was huge then, and she's she's still big now, but- She's just, something, yeah. It's, I mean, it's she's, still, right she's still Madonna. She's just, she's weird Madonna. Nile Rodgers at the concerts. Uh, he yeah. does a medley of songs that he helped produce. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so he talks about Madonna, and he says, oh, yeah, yeah, I met this young woman, and I produced her album, and blah, blah, blah. And he said, you're- your first release, your first single, it's got to be Material Girl. And she said, uh-huh. nope, I want it to be like a virgin. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he was like, uh, are you sure? <laughs> <And> she, <laughs> she knew what she was doing. <laughs> yep. oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> okay. There you go. All right. There were several uh, controversial, interesting episodes. They're not episodes. Uh, uh, moments, from, moments from the VMAs. Yeah. yeah, events. Mostly during the 1980s. And that was our, this was our non-controversial. <laughs> Not at all. Non-scintillating. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. We, not even. There was a lot of couch scooching, so I'm not sure. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Remains to and be seen. it was and brought scooching to you. Was, oh. oh, what? <laughs> it was brought to you every week. No, I'm sorry. Not every week. It's <laughs> Just brought to you. Just ruined to you. everything. Well, now Cat has to write a new out. card. This is brought to you. Yeah, our show is brought, brought to, you. to you intermittently. Thanks in part <laughs> to our very loyal and loving early mm. adopters like yeah. Rick Parker and Karen oh, Flieger. Yeah. Oh yeah! Oh, I love this <laughs> funky beat. Mm-hmm. And thank you especially to our secret of our success level Patreon supporters, also mm-hmm. very loyal and loving. And they consist of Craig Coletta, Matt Craig. Marino, John yeah. Henderson, Another John. 
I'm sorry, John, I wasn't giving you time to do your little things. No, there. it's fine. I just insert okay. them. It's fine. <laughs> well, I used them once from last week. <laughs> I, just, I just, I do, I do it once a season. Just insert them. And I mix them up. So it's like John Henderson. He's like, great. <laughs> I would love that. If you've done that, I didn't notice. Frank okay. Coletta. Go Tony. <laughs> Brandon Greer. Thank you, Brandon. Marcus Taylor. <laughs> My man. Tony Great. Great. And Nick Guillory. Nick. Oh, oh. There you go. Nice. <laughs> yeah, Call hey, the police. Cool. Thank you so much, guys, for supporting the show. Hey, <laughs> you listening. If you'd like to support us, uh, visit uh, patreon.com slash 1980s. Now, it's a dollar a scooch. <laughs> Special <laughs> offer. Special <laughs> offer right now. <laughs> Ten bucks get you a hell of a lot of scooches. It's a deal. <laughs> whole month's worth of scooches. That's a real bargain. It is. All right. Hey, we will scooch to you next time on 1980s Scooch. Scooch, scooch, scooch. Hey, he needed the money. <laughs>